0: Hello and welcome to the Redefine Instruction webcast series, where we bring a fresh perspective on learning and development with every single episode. Go ahead, grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink and enjoy a few moments talking about LND with me. Hi, my name is Sandhya Lachanbal and I am your host for this series. Subscribe to our webcast or look out for new episodes on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or log on to redefineinstruction.com for the latest trends on LND. In this week's episode, I speak with the award-winning speaker, author and design guru Tim Slade, who has helped several companies and designers achieve their potential. Tim is the creator of the eLearning Designers Academy, where he teaches and mentors new and veteran designers to upskill their e-learning design skills. In this episode, he shares his journey and gives a sneak peek behind the curtain. In this ever-changing landscape where companies demand new and innovative ways to train, many teachers, classroom trainers, and recent college grads are looking to transition into e-learning and instructional design many employers are starting to hire for skills and less for years of experience or formal education credentials. As a result, it's important that folks focus on building the skills that employers are looking to hire for. This includes instructional design for e-learning, stakeholder and project management, storyboarding, and development, etc with the demand for e-learning experts on the rise the e-learning designers academy is the perfect platform to learn and grow not only does tim offer his expertise through experiential workshops he offers career advice portfolio skills and builds a community of support for you as an added bonus Tim has a special offer for those looking to join the E-Learning Designers Academy. Stay on till the end of this episode to hear more about this special offer. Tim, thank you for joining me for this episode of Redefine Instruction. Thank you for um, taking the time to answer a few questions for transitioning professionals this morning.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: All right, so uh, Tim, I know I have personally followed your journey since GoDaddy and Mm -hmm. um, I have used a number of your assets uh, and I know you're very active in the Articulate Storyline Heroes community. Um, You post a lot on LinkedIn and there's just so many assets that you've put out there and I I know there's a number of designers who've benefited. But um, before we jump into the podcast, do you mind just walking us through um, your journey as a designer, how did you come upon um this field of instructional design and how how has it transitioned through the years
1: so you know i i've been working in the field of e-learning and instructional design uh in different capacities i mean i've worked in corporate america i've worked for small companies i've worked for local and state governments technology companies like GoDaddy, and now i own my own business but you know i've only been doing this for a little over 10 years now Uh, And I fell into this industry completely by accident. I I don't have any sort of formal background or education in e-learning or instructional design. I used to, I actually have a degree in criminal justice uh, and I used to, I spent a good eight years working in retail loss prevention, catching shoplifters. And uh, this was back in 2009. I, one day my boss came along, I was, working in loss prevention in a little tiny camera room in the corner of a store catching shoplifters. And my boss came along and he said, hey, you're really good at catching shoplifters. You should teach others how to catch shoplifters. There's a training coordinator positioned opened at the corporate office. And so I applied. And I managed to get the job somehow. And, you know, kind of snowballed before I knew it, I was moving across country to Wisconsin. I'm in Phoenix now. And then I moved to Wisconsin for this job. And I'm I'm back in Phoenix now. But I, you know, I was 23. And I thought, you know, this was going to advance my loss prevention career becoming the corporate loss prevention person. And I got there and I got thrown into the deep end of the pool. And I had to design and develop e-learning and do a bunch of things I I didn't even know were things in the first place. And it was through that process, I realized that I had a talent and a skill and a passion for something that I didn't even knew existed, you know, existed within me. Mm -hmm. And I had what I call a career identity crisis, which I think everybody does at some point, uh, where you think you're going down one path, but then You know, uh, a wrench gets thrown into things, and you get you know you you become you get this fork in the road with your career. And so, I decided to continue on with e-learning because I enjoyed it and I was good at it. And you know, the rest is history. That's that's what I've been doing for the past. Ten plus years,
0: and so so I I want to pick up at the point where you said you got thrown into the deep end of the mm-hmm. pool, right? A lot of instructional designers, when they're looking at positions, um, they they you know look at the the descriptions that are posted out by employers, and there's this whole gamut of skills that employers demand, right? They're demanding yeah. anywhere from HTML to you know XAPI. They want storyline and captivate. Um, So you know, if you were to advise a new designer who's just coming in, um, it can be relatively intimidating. Where can Mm -hmm. a new designer start? Like, what's a good place to begin?
1: So I think the first thing I'll first thing I I want to give context to is why it seems that more and more job descriptions and employers are looking for this like really broad mixed bag of skills. And the primary reason why there's been this shift, I think, over the last several years where uh, employers are expecting more and more from their instructional designers is that what it means to be an instructional designer or an e-learning designer or a learning professional in general has evolved dramatically, uh, drastically, that's what I meant to say, over the last several years. I mean, it used to be, you know, it used to be that in, an instructional designer was some something very different than say an e-learning developer. And that's because before captivate and before articulate storyline and all of these tools that make it really easy for us to develop e-learning, you had to, have to hire somebody with really specific skill sets and and using expensive tools and coding e-learning you know custom coding e-learning into existence right. and that was something that instructional designers didn't do. And then the tools have become easier and easier to use, and as a result. Employers, hiring managers, are expecting people to have this really broad skill set. You can manage a project, you can write a storyboard, you can create a facilitator guide. Maybe you develop an e-learning course one day. Others days, you do, you know, stakeholder management or evaluation. It's just kind of this really broad um, uh, bag of skills. And so, for me, I think that for I, I really ignore if i were if i were to go back to my to where i was 10 years ago uh really early in my career and i'm looking at job descriptions i'm really intimidated by listing all these things like html and uh, xapi and all this stuff uh or expecting you to have a master's degree or certain years of education i realized that i think a lot of times employers put all of these things in their job descriptions but they don't really want they don't really expect you to have all of that and so i I kind of came to the point where I'm like, I'm gonna ignore everything that they're asking for. If I think it's, I'm a good fit for it and I wanna work there, I'll put my name in the bucket, if you will, or my name in the hat and, you know, I'll I'll impress them with my skills and they'll choose me or they won't choose me. Um, And so I, my, I guess what I'm saying is, is be skeptical about those job descriptions. I, you know, I don't, I couldn't code myself out of a paper bag. I don't know the first thing about writing HTML. I can edit it if I need to, but if the job required HTML, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the job for me. Same thing with XAPI. I I know what it is conceptually, but I don't know anything about it. I couldn't write an XAPI statement. I don't even know what that looks like. And so for me, it's, You know, I I say, take those things, be skeptical about all of those things that they list. A lot of job descriptions, because I've been on the side, I've been a hiring manager. I used to manage teams at GoDaddy and hire instructional designers. When, when jobs, when companies write job descriptions, they're shooting for the moon for what they want. They're writing it for, if we could find the most ideal person who would have all of this, but they realize, you also realize, yeah, I want all of, I want, you know, these 11D things in a candidate, but I'm probably only going to get half of that or maybe three quarters of that. And so remember, job description isn't an explicit line in the sand that says you have to meet all these requirements to be qualified. It's them shooting for the moon okay so yeah okay.
0: And, and essentially they're not going down the checklist and saying we need every one of these aspects no. right right no. that's good to know that's good no. to know um and that and that so going back to, you know, when you said 10 years ago, there was this curriculum designer piece, and then there was the e-learning designer, right? Mm-hmm. And and when we go into the job market today, fast forward 10 years, you see all of these names like curriculum designer, and you've got instructional designer, e-learning designer. is Should one think, and, and if I was a new designer, I would be overwhelmed, like, should one think that there's a skill set that aligns with each of these descriptions, or are they really synonyms for each other? And- um, and and how should I be positioning myself when I'm applying for these positions?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think they are to it's the latter part of what you said. They're synonyms for each other. Um, you know, the way I describe it is is I think uh, going back to one of my previous points about this really broad thing that people want. I you know I call it a T shaped employee. That's what people want. They want to hire T shaped employees where you have a broad skill set. But you have a deep expertise in one or two things. And what that means is, you know, when you hire an instructional designer, and I put, if you put yourself in the shoes of a hiring manager, you want somebody who can manage stakeholders when it's necessary. You want somebody who can jump into, you know, I don't know, InDesign and create a a facilitator facilitator guide when it's necessary or jump into Microsoft Word. You want somebody who can develop an e-learning course if it's necessary. It's having the broad ability, but then also your deep expertise. And so what I always tell people is, you know, I think a lot of times people, when they're applying for a job, they try to overcompensate for their areas of opportunity. And the problem is, is that when you do that, you paint this picture of yourself on your resume or during the interview process that you don't even recognize yourself. Right. And the problem with that is, well, what if you get hired? What if you get hired? They're going to expect to receive the person you created rather than yourself. And so for me, yeah, you, know, you can look at a job description and go, gosh, I need to learn HTML. I need to learn XAPI. I need to learn all these things. Well, do you need to learn them? I don't know, does it make you happy? Do you wanna learn those things? If so, great, go ahead and learn them. But if it's not something you're passionate about, then focus on those areas that you are really good at. Those are those deep areas of expertise. I don't spend a lot of time learning about XAPI because I just don't, it's just not my cup of tea, you know? And so I'm not gonna invest a lot of time in it. And you can still have a successful career without knowing everything about our industry. So I know that kind of goes into a different direction, but I hope that, that helps a little bit.
0: Definitely, definitely. And so, so let's filter it down a little bit more. So if I, if you were coaching a new designer and you said, let's pick five skills to break Mm -hmm. into this industry, what would those five skills be?
1: Yeah. Okay. This is great. Five skills, Um, stakeholder and project management. I think it's a huge one, especially in corporate America. They want you to be able to to manage expectations with stakeholders and manage projects. A big part of our job is uh, managing the fee fees of the people that we work with. Um, The second one would be, uh, I would say solid instructional design skills. And that seems really broad, but what I mean about that is really focusing in on when a stakeholder says we need training, you have the ability to be skeptical of what they're saying and investigate it and find the real core issue of uh, what's happening and offer a performance-based solution, whether it's training or not. That's what I mean by really good instructional design. It's not just about knowing the theory, it's about knowing how you apply it in a really practical way uh, in a work setting. Um, I would say some sort of development skills. So the ability to open a particular storyline and create an e-learning course or use Rise or Captivate or PowerPoint. You can create content, uh, not just ideate on a solution, but actually build it. One of the things that I think is super important is also the visual design component. I think this one always gets... Uh, discounted within our industry, but people eat with their eyes first. And so if it doesn't look good and it's not engaging from a visual standpoint, it becomes that much harder, not only to impress your stakeholders who are, who are you're creating solutions for, but it's also harder for your learners to engage in it. So I think the visual design component. And then I would say the fifth one This one is, I mean, I could list a bunch of things, but this one I think is important in corporate America specifically is, and has nothing to do with learning, um, but I think it's an important skill that anybody uh, should have in corporate America is is what I call, uh, not business acumen, but political savviness. Uh, I think people, as much as I hate business politics, it exists and As a learning professional, there's ways you can use your political capital to convince stakeholders to do the right solution Uh, and understanding where your learning team or where you sit politically with your different stakeholders and what political capital you have to influence change is incredibly important.
0: And that whole yes, but approach, right? And also the intrapersonal skills and the social skills that you bring to the to the table where, you know, I, I love what you're saying, but can we add this component to it? And that takes you a long way. Be inquisitive yeah. is what I'm hearing. And then yeah. going back to your visual skills, that's whole a picture's worth a thousand words component mm-hmm. that comes in over there. And then the whole thing about if it's not visually appealing and you've dumped a whole bunch of, of content on a slide, then you are you are kind of cutting the edge of cognitive overload over there. So I, yep. I, I am completely in agreement with the five skills that you re, you um, listed over there. So, Let's say I was a new designer, and I know that you, you, have, um, you have a lot of assets that you offer, but I, I want to dive deep into your e-learning um, sure. academy, right? The e-learning designers academy. I know that is a place where you nurture and hone skills for new mm-hmm. designers. So can you tell us a little bit about that? So if I were a new designer and chose to design, uh, join your academy, what can I expect to learn? What what do you cover during the, the the weeks of the Academy?
1: Yeah, sure. So the eLearning Designers Academy is something that um, I've been working on for the better part of the last several years. It started when I wrote the first edition of my book, the eLearning Designers Handbook. I, I created a, a, a online course version that to supplement the book. And then I realized there was an opportunity to create more online learning resources specifically geared towards new and aspiring e-learning designers. And so uh, I would say this time last year I really started envisioning what that would be. And I I formally launched the e-learning designers academy website at elearningacademy.io back in February. And uh, the goal behind the eLearning Designers Academy is it's an eight-week program and it's meant to be a transformative experience where not only do you focus on the skills that employers are looking to hire for, those project management skills, those instructional design skills, storyboarding, e-learning development, articulate storyline, you learn all of that, and, but you also learn how to... Uh, build your portfolio and create a brand around yourself so that you can uh, catch the attention of hiring managers. And that's really the two things. I came to the conclusion that the two things that you need to have if you want to get land a good job in this industry, whether you're brand new or you're experienced, is you have to have the right skills and you need a, a way to prove that you have those skills. More and more employers are hiring for what you can offer them right now. They don't really not that they don't really care they it's becoming less and less important that you have a particular degree or a certain number of years of experience they want to know can you build a course in articulate storyline if you can do that i don't care if you have 10 years of experience or two years of experience uh, and then they want to see can they want to see evidence of it and that's where portfolio comes in the, into play because anybody can list on their resume that they can develop in Articulate Storyline, I want to see how good can you be in Articulate Storyline and that's where portfolio comes into play. So over the course of eight weeks, all my students, they go through a case study and they learn how to do a needs analysis, how to create a project plan and a timeline, how to design a blended learning solution, how to draft a storyboard, how to develop a prototype, how to use Articulate Storyline to build a course from beginning to end. and by time they finish that, they will have a course that they could put on their portfolio. And then the second half, we learn about how to buy a domain, how to pick the right website building tool for your portfolio, what to put in your portfolio, how to brand yourself. Um, and so by time everyone's out, they have skills and they have a portfolio. That's, that's the goal. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Perfect. I think that ties right into, you know, the competitive edge that you're able to prove with the portfolio. Cause it's almost like when you're looking at a job description right at the bottom, they'll say portfolio is important for, for submitting an application. And, yep. and, you know, most people don't even know where to start with, an, with a portfolio. I mean, I don't even know what are the assets to put in there. I mean, mm-hmm. if I were to rewind 10 years, I wouldn't even know, have known the definition of what an e-portfolio is. And sure. now more and more people are asking for it. And it's not just, what you said, not just the finished product, right? The journey, right? The needs Mm -hmm. analysis, the storyboard piece. They want to see it all, that you can Mm -hmm. do it because you're essentially, what I'm hearing is you're solving a business solution. You are not just an order taker who is, you know, you want a training? Yes, I'll do it. You know, you're you're not just that. You're much broader than that. so another pillar of support that you you kind of mentioned was the e-learning designers handbook. Tell me mm-hmm. a little bit about the tips that you offer in that book. How did how did you even before that? How did the concept of the, of the handbook come into existence? How what, what made what what was the impetus to yeah. kind of get you to write that book?
1: Uh, so the story about that book. Um, so in 2016, I got I, I I got hired as the director of instructional design at GoDaddy, um, and when I got hired there, um, my primary focus initially was to take this really small team that I had, and. Turn them into e-learning designers and instructional designers. And the, the these four people that I had on my team initially, uh, they were former classroom trainers, uh, former facilitators. They didn't know anything about e-learning design or development or instructional design. And so I spent the first several months, literally teaching them everything I knew about instructional design and e-learning development and storyboarding and prototyping and all of those things I talk about in the book and. By the time I got to the end of that, it dawned on me, I realized, oh gosh, they're going through the exact same thing I went through when I became an e-learning designer. And I knew at that point in my career that most people who fall into our industry go through that experience. And so I realized there was an opportunity to create a resource that didn't just talk about instructional design theory there's so many books out there that are just theory but it doesn't really get into the nitty-gritty of the practical skills that you need to be able to do on the job in the real world like managing stakeholders creating a project plan or drafting a storyboard or how do you deal with you know scope creep when your stakeholder tears apart your storyboard all of those things and so um So I started writing a book in 2016, and I published the first edition, uh, I think in 2017. And then when I left GoDaddy in 2019, I was there uh, a little over two years, and I started my own business. Um, I, I wanted to write a book that went into deeper detail about the instructional design theory, about adult learning principles, um, the different levels of evaluation, how to do a needs analysis. Those things were missing from my book. And originally I was gonna write a, a second book, a completely separate book. And the more I started thinking about talking about instructional design and needs analysis, I realized, I couldn't talk about those things without also talking about all the things in the first edition. So I realized it was ultimately what I was writing was a second edition of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I published that uh, last October-ish. Uh, so that was kind of the history behind it. You know, it's, like I said, it's, it's as the subtitle of the book is, it's a practical guide to the e-learning design and development process for new e-learning designers.
0: And if someone was looking to get their hands on this book, where can they find it?
1: On Amazon. You just type in e-learning and it'll come right up.
0: And there's an ebook version too, right? That's available. Yep,
1: yep. There's one available on Kindle. Okay,
0: yep. okay. So let me be the devil's advocate over here. Sure. If I wanted access to all that knowledge that Dim Slade has, and um, can I just read the book and get all of that information, or does that book work hand in hand with the academy?
1: The the book works hand in hand with the academy. Um, so everybody who enrolls with the academy, they get a copy of my book. Uh, you can learn from just the book. And and the reality is, there's nothing that I teach in the academy that you can go learn for free. Uh, you know, for those who who maybe can't afford. To enroll, or even afford to buy the book, that's okay. You can find all of this content available on YouTube or on Google or in the Articulate eLearning Heroes community. Um, what I'm trying to gear my program to, whether it's the book or the academy, are people who want to follow a structured approach. They want it. They want to be guided and have their hand held through it. So that's the differentiator, right? If you are confident enough to go figure this stuff out on your own then by all means, you know, great, go do that and save yourself some money. But if you want a guided, structured approach, um, you know, maybe there's the book or maybe you want the full experience with the academy.
0: Okay. And if someone's joining your academy, are there like a minimum set of tools that you advise them to invest in before they join the academy or during the course of the uh, academy?
1: Yeah, so in the academy, at the very minimum, people need access to Microsoft Word or PowerPoint or something similar like Google Docs. Um, uh, And then we, you know, a a primary focus on it is Articulate Storyline. That's the number one tool that most employers are looking for. Um, And so, what I always encourage my students is that if they if they're not ready to invest in Articulate Storyline, which can be you know cost prohibitive prohibitive for some folks, they can use the sixty day free trial. uh, as part of the program as well, because it's full featured.
0: Awesome, awesome. And how? What's the length of the academy, Tim?
1: Yeah. So the program itself is the the guided structured program is a total of eight weeks. Uh, it includes, I think gosh, I wanna say about 15 hours of self-paced content. And then each week we have a Zoom meeting where we come together and do some synchronous learning. Those are recorded. Um, And then once those eight weeks are over, you still get access to everything forever. So anytime I I publish a new course or I update a course for the self-paced content, you get access to that. So it technically continues to live on forever. The structured program though is eight weeks initially.
0: And how much, um, how many hours of commitment can one expect to make if one joins the, the academy?
1: Yeah. So, you know, this, this is a hard question to answer because I have some students who dedicate a significant amount of their time each week to it, and others who only spend a few weeks because of their situation. They only have that much time. So, uh, I, don't, I don't require for those first eight weeks, I don't require my students to follow along explicitly with the, the lesson plans that they get for each week. It's meant to be a guide. Uh, And so they get access to it forever. So some people spend a couple hours a week. Some people spend five to 10 hours a week. Uh, Somewhere between, I would say, five and eight hours a week would be uh, the optimal amount of time, for, at least for those first eight weeks.
0: Um, let's say I've been through the entire eight weeks of the Academy. Is there any other, I mean, I know there's a ton of assets out there, but do mm-hmm. you provide any other pillars of support beyond those eight? Like, is there a community I can join where yep. you lead um tell us a little bit more about the support after those eight weeks.
1: In addition to the eLearning Designers Academy, I also have the eLearning Designers community, which is actually a free community. Anyone can join that by going to community.elearningacademy.io. And so there's the free community. People have access to that. You can sign up for that. Um, But when you enroll, you also get access to a private space within the community so you can collaborate with your cohort and continue your learning there as well.
0: Okay. And then are there any weekly sessions of that cohort after the eight weeks or or does that subside after the academy is
1: finished? You know what? I I haven't gotten there yet. So that's something I'm still piloting and figuring out uh, the proper cadence for uh, what sort of you know ongoing uh, synchronous support there is right now? I'm 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 thinking about doing a monthly uh, academy Zoom hangout, but you know I'm constantly iterating on the program. Yes,
0: yes. the program's evolving and and becoming yeah. larger and better as the days yeah. go by. Yeah. So um, thank you, Tim, for taking the time to talk about your academy. As a last question, yeah. um, uh for new designers there's like a ton of conferences that one can attend right for a mm. new designer are there any conferences that you would absolutely recommend that they should go look out for for speakers such as yourself and you know maybe tools that those conferences talk about can you give us a handful maybe four or five that they should be looking to Yeah
1: attend? I'll tell you the four conferences I go to every year the first conference I ever went to and I actually it was the first conference I ever spoke at was one called Learning Solutions yeah. Uh, it's actually happening this week, <laughs> uh, virtually. Um, Learning Solutions is a conference held by the Learning Guild. Typically it's in Orlando every year in the spring. Obviously right now it's it's virtual. That's a smaller conference, maybe get three, I would say 2,500 to 3,000 people at that conference. Mm-hmm. Um, That's really, really good for for new e-learning designers. The other one by the Learning Guild is DevLearn. That happens typically in the fall in Las Vegas. They're planning on doing it in person this year. That one's really good for anyone focused on e-learning and technology. And then the other two that I attend and speak at and are fantastic uh, is Tech Knowledge, which is an ATD conference uh, held in the spring, usually in January, February. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next year, it'll be in San Antonio in person. And I'm actually chairing the committee for that particular conference. Um, And then uh, the other one by ATD is the International Conference and Expo, typically known as ICE. That happens each year. Uh, That's coming up this year. They're actually doing it in person in Salt Lake City in August. And that's that's like the biggest one that has like, like 15,000 people that attend that conference. That's a big one.
0: Are there any, so Articulate Storyline Heroes is one community that you would encourage people to join. Are there any other communities that one can, you know, as a new designer maybe be a part of
1: or the articulate community is a, a really popular one obviously there's mine mine's n- not even a fraction of the size of the articulate community and then what i'd recommend is there's tons and tons and tons of other little communities uh on linkedin i couldn't name any off the top of my head but there's tons of them out there i know there's some on facebook um and then there's also twitter so sure. and then clubhouse of course that's getting big as well but not on clubhouse, that's, a, but that's I know. the
0: newest thing out yeah. there i think yeah. it's pick it's on fire it's pick yeah up really, really yeah. fast. And people come on live and answer questions. So that's the fun part of it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, thank you, Tim, for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, I am, um, I'm going to encourage people to go into the show notes for a discount that you're going to provide for people who are listening to this webcast and potentially the podcast. Thank you again for spending time with us this morning. I look forward to speaking with you at another time um, on another topic.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Redefine Instruction webcast series. We welcome feedback. Leave a comment or question on any of our social media pages. We look forward to hearing from you. Until then, stay tuned for the next episode.